Hey, welcome to Church Experience. I hope you're having an amazing summer so far. Hey, a couple weeks ago, earlier this summer, we talked about the power of your vision, the power of dreaming big for God. And I know that we got some dreamers in our church family. Some of you have some big vision that God has deposited into your life. In fact, I would argue that all of us are dreamers, whether you've identified that or not, God has big vision for your life. And so today I'm really excited about this message because it's kind of a follow-up to the power of your vision. We're gonna talk about how to make those visions become reality. So I'm really excited about where we're going today. We also have a special guest that's gonna be joining me a little bit later. It's gonna be a great morning. And, and, and I just wanna begin this way, the fuel of of vision. We've got to go back to this where we began a couple weeks ago. The fuel of vision is always the good news of the gospel. For, for a Jesus follower, the good news of Jesus' sacrificial death on that Roman cross 2,000 years ago is always my greatest source of motivation. That's my why. That's why I go do things for God is because what Jesus did for me on that cross. I don't go do things so that I can deserve a relationship with God. That's not why we dream big for God. That's not why we accomplish. It's not to fill something that's missing inside of us. That was accomplished through Jesus' death on the cross for us. So we would never question that we are loved by God. So what he did, it's not by my works, it's by his finished work on the cross that I'm saved and brought into a relationship with God as I received that good news. But because of what Jesus did, my motivation now is to worship the Lord with my life. I wanna serve the Lord, I wanna please him, I wanna give all of my life to serving him because he was so gracious to me. And as you understand with clarity that the power of the gospel, it motivates you to dream big for God. Like God, you did so much for me, how can I not care about what you care about? And what does God care about? God cares about people. Souls saved and lives changed. His kingdom being expanded, his church being built up, people being brought into the family of God, that's what it's all about. And so we want to dream big for God. And we, we hit that a couple weeks ago. But today as we talk about the, the work of implementing the vision, this is where a lot of people get stuck in their own head. And their dreams never come out of their own mind and become a reality. You know, when, when you have a dream, there's a lot of work involved in it. I remember when COVID first landed in March 2020, and man, the world is going crazy, everything's shutting down. There's a lot of bad things, of course, happening in that time in, in our world. But one of the good things that came out of a really bad time was that our church had a unique opportunity. God had just given us this property. We knew we needed to renovate it here in Dunedin. And, and, and now there was no longer, not only no services happening on this property, but there was just no people around. Like there was no people coming in, going. There's no groups meeting all the time like there is now. All the ministries that are currently happening, none of that was happening. So the building was empty. So our family and a handful of other families said, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna put some time in now during these next few months where the world shut down and we're gonna renovate this church property. And man, we were here long hours in the morning till late at night, sometimes all night. I mean, it was a lot of work. And one of the, the projects that my wife Jennifer envisioned was to epoxy the floors over in our chapel building. And we have a couple services over there every Sunday as well. And, and so we wanted to beautify that space. And so we stripped it down pretty bare. And we redid the lights and the stage and the sound booth and the seating and everything, including the floors. 
But part of doing the epoxy of floors ourselves required some pretty significant prep work to take out the old floor and put some chemicals down and, and prepare this space for what was to come. And so we had a handful of us working on this, and it got late at night, and, and everything wasn't accomplished yet, but people were starting to fade out. You know, they're dropping off like flies because they got to work the next day. And there's, there's our family and a couple other people sticking around. It's like way past midnight. It's late at night, but this has got to get done. And so everyone's rolling up their sleeves and helping out. Our kids even jump in, and they're starting to help out. Like, like everybody's working hard and long hours. And, and it's like later on that night, and we're almost done with the project. We had one of the, the doors of the chapel building propped wide open. And, and one of the guys that helps out with the landscaping here around the church, he shows up. And, and he peeks his head in the door, and he's like, good morning? <laughs> Did you guys just get here, or have you been here all night? It's like, no, we've still been going. We didn't know it wasn't night anymore. And he's like, no, it's like 7 a.m. <laughs> we were just wrapping up from the night before. And that was just one of many all-nighters. You know, and, and I've just been blown away of how much work the vision sometimes requires. And not just requires, it demands it. It demands it. A lot of work from a lot of people to fulfill the dream. And the bigger the dream, the more work. The more work and the more time and the bigger team that's required if you have a big dream. And many of us in this room, we, we have a calling to a dream, but what prevents us from seeing that dream implemented is because we don't yet realize that the calling to a dream is also a calling to the work of the dream. And so if you're taking notes today, I'd love to have you write this down. The call to a God dream is a call to get to work. It's a call to get to work. Man, it's a lot more fun to sit around a dream and to plan and to talk about the dream, but this it's a lot more difficult to actually roll up your sleeves and get to work. And sometimes it's long hours and late nights and early mornings. It's a lot of sacrifice. But the dream, if, if it's motivated by a, a significant why, like here's why this matters. Because there's people in need. There's, there's people that need to hear the good news that we have. People need to understand what it means to find and follow Jesus because it's the most consequential decision that anyone can make on this planet. When you start to get that why in your heart, then any dream that God calls you to go after, the work becomes a joy, not a job. And that's where we wanna get, to where the work is a joy and not a job. But I found that some of the most difficult work is not just banging a nail with a hammer. Like, you're gonna have some of that work too, but it's, it's the internal work that God does as you pursue the dream. Right? Because you have the dream and you have the doing, the work of the dream, but in between there, the, the hardest work for me is, is the work in your mind. It's learning how to think different. It's, it's learning new skills. It's, it's learning how to approach your work different. I mean, there's a lot of work that God does inside of you so that you can do the work on the outside. And, and part of that work I'm just gonna put under the heading of development, developing yourself as a leader, developing yourself as a worker for God. And I've noticed as I studied through scripture that, that most people who had a big dream, right, most people who went after this, this mountain for God and they, they conquered it, Earlier on in their journey, if you could rewind the tape to the early days of that vision, they had a mentor. They had somebody who was helping pour into them so that they can learn not only how to dream for God, but how to do great things for him. For example, Moses, he got to watch Pharaoh lead for many years. He grew up in Pharaoh's house where God had placed him. Joshua, he got to watch for many years Moses lead God's people before he led God's people. Samuel got to watch Eli Solomon got to watch his father, David. The disciples got to spend three years following Jesus and watching how he led. And then the one that I wanna to talk to you about today just briefly is Elisha who got to watch Elijah. First Kings chapter 19, I, I want to zoom in on just the initial call of Elisha 
who became a great man of God, a great prophet of God. God did so many miraculous things through his life. Great dreams were accomplished. But early on, I want you to notice what was going on in his life as he started to follow Elijah, his mentor. First Kings chapter 19. Take a look with me, if you will, at verse 19. First Kings chapter 19, verse 19, it says, So Elijah, he went up from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. So Elijah was this established, credible leader. He was a prophet of God. And he comes to Elisha, who will be his mentee. And he says that Elisha was, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the 12th pair. He was working hard. Elisha went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. And Elisha then left his, his oxen and he ran after Elijah. He said, let me kiss my father and and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and he went back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and give it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I I love this calling here that, that happens in Elisha's life. It happens from God delivered through a person named Elijah who comes alongside him and says, essentially, I see potential in you and I want to take you on into my life. I I want to pour into you. I want to guide you into greater dreams for God. But there's a couple things that are happening here in this brief story that God gives us and I think he gives it to us for a very divine reason. We can get a a peek into what it's like to begin to follow God's calling in our lives. Some, Some really critical lessons here that I see. First of all, what I see in this story is that Elisha was already working. He was already working hard when God called him. Right? God called him to a bigger dream. He already was working on a dream. He was already working hard. He had, he had poured his effort, his best effort in to doing what was right in front of him. And some people miss the dream that God has called them to because they're so busy scanning the horizon for the next big thing. And we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the power of vision. We said, you know, it's important to dream about what God's put in your life right now. There, there might be a next season, but you'll never get to next until you master now. Meaning you have fully surrendered to God the season that's called now. You're pouring your best efforts into now. You're dreaming big for now, what God can do now. And we talked about there might be some of you in the room that are single today. And you're dreaming about one day when you can get married and have a family. But you have people in your life right now. Are you dreaming about them? How you can invest in their lives and make the most of those relationships. See, sometimes we miss out on the, the big dreams God has right in front of us because we're too distracted with way out there somewhere the big dream that God has called us to, when the first steps are right here in front of us. And I just love that Elisha was already working hard. And and we don't know the whole story. We just have what is written here in scripture. But perhaps one of the reasons God chose Elisha was because Elisha was busy working on what God had placed in his life at that time. He was being faithful with little. And because he found favor with God, God gave him more. You know, it's so much easier to direct something that's already moving then try to light a fire under somebody who's just sitting around dreaming. It's, it's, it's easy to sit around and dream dreams, even dreams for God. But getting busy doing the work of God, the work that's right in front of us, look around you. I mean, there's so much kingdom work. The, the harvest is plentiful, Jesus said, but the workers are few. There is needs all around us that, that we can step into right here and right now. And as you get busy working for God, God can guide and lead you. you know, I've recruited leaders many times now in my life, and I love recruiting leaders from among those who are already busy serving because you get an opportunity to see how they work. 
you get a chance to peek into their, their heart and their character. You can see their faithfulness, their commitment over time. And just like a boat passing through the Gulf, you can watch the wake of, of their work and you can see what's left behind. Were they busy doing things that lasted and that mattered? Did they make a difference? Did they raise up others? Did they have a good attitude when they did it? And that, that's where you find your best leaders among those who are already serving. And when God looks out over his, his, his great kingdom and he's looking to identify an Elisha, someone to raise up, I believe he's often looking, it tells us in Chronicles that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I believe that God is looking for those who are already looking to him and they're working hard at what he said in front of them. And here's the lesson, and if you're taking notes, walk before you run. Walk before you run. I know you got a big dream. And, and I hope you start that nonprofit. I hope you start that Christian business and employ a lot of people for God's glory. I hope you do a lot of amazing things in your life, but walk before you run. You know, I served faithfully for years in ministry before I planted a church. Before I started having kids and building a family, Jennifer and I were together for eight years. We dated for three years and we were married without kids for five years. We, we had a lot of time to build a foundation before we started building on top of that foundation. And so what I'm saying to you is you might have some big dream way out there. You might already be looking to it, pursuing it, but make sure that you have a strong foundation. And part of that foundation is to walk before you run, is to get busy doing the work that God's put in front of you. Let me go back to this, this verse again in 1 Kings chapter 19. Take a look with me at verse 21. It says, so Elisha, he, he, he left him and he, he went back and he, he took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment. Did you notice that the first time we read? And that should really stand out to you. He burned it. He didn't just set it aside. He burned the plowing equipment. He took the meat, he gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah, and he became his servant. So part of, part of Elisha's calling to something new was to set aside the things that would have been a distraction, to set aside the past so that he could move forward to the future. Some of us are so distracted by other things in our life that we can't step into the calling that God has for us. Our lives are so full. We're carrying so much weight that we can't run hard after the vision that God has for us. And, and Elisha knew that the work that he had been doing was not gonna be the same work he was gonna do in this next season. And so he knew he had to have a necessary ending. And he ended well. He didn't just slaughter the oxen and leave them in the field. He turned it into something productive. He handed it off well. He turned it into food for the people and they were provided for. Right? And then he burned the plowing equipment. So I can't go back because I might have second thoughts. This is gonna be hard. It's gonna be challenging, but I'm gonna burn it so I can move forward. And, and, and I don't know in your life what, what the weight is that you're carrying, the unnecessary weight from your past. It might be past regret and guilt and shame that God has forgiven you of, but you need to forgive yourself and move on. Maybe it's some unhealthy things in your life. Maybe it's an unhealthy relationship. Maybe it's some, some brokenness or some sinful patterns that you need to change and turn from so that you can move forward into the future. Maybe it's just some, some things of comfort in your life that you've become accustomed to, but they're limiting your calling. And you need to say no to comfort so that you can say yes to your calling. The lesson that I see in Elijah's story that I'm gonna take out of this for me is that to carry a bigger load, I must lay down unnecessary weight. And, and, and again, the, the unnecessary weight for you, you're gonna have to figure that out with the Holy Spirit, but we all have unnecessary weight. I love in God's word how it tells us to throw off the sin that's so easily entangled. And everything 
not, not just the sin, but throw off everything, <laughs> everything that hinders. And so that means that sometimes the things that hinders us is not just sin. Sometimes it's, it's, it's fine things, it's good things, but they're not the great things that God's called you to. And so we need to do an assessment of our lives and say, as I pursue this dream, part of the work is to set aside the distractions. A lot of you have kids that are they're going off to school, your grandkids are going off to school here over these next couple of weeks, and man, it's a fun time of year. We're heading into the fall. I'm excited about this. But, but part of getting ready for school is to get those long lists of school supplies for your children, right? And, and you're filling up their backpack with all these supplies, but, but you remember how it is when you were at school. Right, you, you had that big, heavy backpack. You walk in the first day of school. You don't notice the weight the first day because you're so excited to see all your friends again. You're excited to be back in the rhythm. And so you got all this weight. But a few, a few days into school, you, man, this thing is getting heavy. Man, a couple weeks into the, the school year, you're like, man, I'm not using half this stuff. And at week three, at week four, you're like, man, I'm never going to need half this stuff in this backpack, so I'm going to leave that at home. And, and you take half the stuff out of there, all the stuff you don't need, you leave it at home, and you show up the next day, and man, it's so much fun because your load in your pack is that much lighter. And I would just love to see some of us in this room running after the vision that God has put in your heart and not having all that extra weight. Because some of us are not able to run because our, our pack is so full of comfort. Our pack is so full of past decisions that we regret, that we can't let go of. Your, your pack is full of brokenness and sinfulness. And God is saying, throw off everything that hinders. Throw off the sin that's so easily entangles. Set down that extra weight so you can pursue the calling that I have set aside for you. Here, here's the lesson today. To carry a bigger load, I must lay down unnecessary weight. I, I love the, the quote from a, a gentleman named John Camrick, he says, focus is a matter of deciding what things I'm not going to do. What are you not going to do this fall? It's a good question, right? Like what things are you not going to do? We oftentimes think in terms of what am I going to do when it comes to dreams, but what is it you're not going to do so that you can do what God has called you to do? And most importantly, what are you going to do because of what Jesus has already done for you? Again, our greatest motivation is the work that Jesus did for us on the cross. That's why we go to work for him. That's why we roll up our sleeves. But it is gonna be work, right? We're gonna have to roll up our sleeves and we're gonna have to get to work. We're gonna have to walk before we can run. We gotta get started in that, that dream. Just like Elijah was already busy working, we've gotta get to work. But it's not just the work that we do on the outside, it's the work that God wants to do on the inside, laying aside the extra weight so we can run at the vision that God has put in our heart. And we're coming into this new fall season and, and we're recruiting life group leaders. We've had this year so far, the most amount of life groups in our church that we've ever had in our history, which is exciting to see people getting connected into community, experiencing life to the full in Christ together. It's a beautiful thing. Growing in their relationship with God, Bible studies happening, prayer group happening, all kinds of cool stuff. But the greatest need when it comes to groups is for leaders. For someone to step up or a couple to step up or multiple couples to step up and say, we have a vision, we have a dream to gather people together for God's glory. And, and, and if you, as we go into this fall season, say, man, I wanna make a difference. I, I wanna dream for God. I wanna do great things. I, I wanna get involved. I don't know what the big dream is, but I wanna take my next step. Look, here, here's what Jesus did to change the world. Yes, yes, he spoke to the masses, but he also huddled around him a group, 12 people. He poured his life into them for three years and they went on to change the world. Perhaps the greatest thing you could do is not to pick up a microphone or to become a missionary on the other side of the ocean, but to grab a dozen people around your living room and pour your life into them so that their lives can forever be changed. As we go into this fall season, I wanna invite you into that opportunity. In fact, if you're interested in being a life group leader, write that on your response card, fill out our connect form online and let us know. We would love to talk with you. 
But whatever your dream is, whatever it is that God has put on your heart to run after, walk before you run and lay off the weight so that you can run forward. Lay off the distractions. Lay off everything that entangles so you can move forward into the vision that God has for you. Well, I want to invite to the stage today uh, for the rest of our, our time together, a good friend of mine and a family member, Natasha Dongel. Uh, I'm so thankful, and I hope that you guys will just welcome her as she comes up here. Natasha is, is someone I've known for many years. She is the wife of my, my brother-in-law, Jen's younger brother, Brent Dongel. She's a great woman of God. Can you just welcome her today? Hey, welcome, Natasha. So thankful that you could join us today. It's a huge honor for us. Um, Natasha, just to introduce her a little bit so you guys can understand context, um, not only is Natasha a family and, and, and friends, of course, but, but someone I immensely respect. Um, Natasha and her husband, Brent, are both authors and writers. Uh, their, their work has impacted a lot of people. She's a mentor to others. She's an accomplished worship leader. She's the founding pastor of Follow Church based out of Clemson, South Carolina. Uh, Natasha has accomplished so much through her speaking and through her writing, her singing. And, and Natasha, we're just, we're just super honored to have you here today. And I can't wait for you guys to learn a little bit more from her story. So Natasha, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh my goodness, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you guys. Yeah, and, and we just want to jump right into it. Uh, I told you I want to ask you a few questions. And, and one of the questions I want to ask you is just if you could take us back. Like, obviously, you're doing some amazing things for God now, pastoring and speaking and writing and mentoring. But if you go back to early in your life, in your 20s, even before that, what did dreaming for God look like for you as, as a young woman? Like, when, when you think about now with the perspective you have and what you're doing now, what did it look like way back then? Yeah, I love this question, but it makes me laugh because— uh, I can go two different ways with this question. One, it really looked like me as this little girl singing into my mirror with my hairbrush, you know, <laughs> just the like dreamer in my own little world kind of little girl. Um, but really outside of that, I would never have thought of myself as a dreamer. You know, I, I was... I was not dreaming big dreams of great accomplishments, you know. I was um, probably creative and imaginative in different ways, um, but you know, I think I wasn't. Um, I wasn't in a culture of opportunity. I, I wasn't exposed to a lot of opportunity, and I think you know the honest response that I have is I really was probably coping more through the days, um, just sort of surviving and getting through. And I didn't imagine a whole lot for myself. Um, I, I did, though, have these experiences where when um, there was maybe some kind of a sense of chaos or insecurity around me, I had these experiences where I would retreat uh, back into my bedroom and I would open my Bible and I would read these stories from the Gospels, from the book of Acts. And I remember reading, you know, Peter walking by and people were being healed in his shadow. And, you know, just these incredible stories. And, uh, and I think back to those moments because in those moments, I had this childlike faith that I don't know, it, where did it come from? It came it did not come from me. I did nothing to earn or deserve or cultivate it. You know, it was just this total innocence that I was reading those scriptures, like fully believing them, like not a single doubt in my mind as to whether or not that happened, not just back then, but could happen today, you know? And so I think that God was putting his dreams 
inside of me in a way that I couldn't even see happening or would never have been able to articulate and in a context where I, I wasn't really dreaming those dreams for myself. That is so good. So would you say that sometimes God deposits conviction in the heart of a leader, maybe even before he fleshes out the full calling? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Like you wouldn't have said you were a dreamer, but God was really, he was depositing the foundation for what would ultimately be a dream and a calling. Talk, talk to us just a little bit more about that. What do what, what you think was happening from that perspective? Yeah, I love that. Um, it, it is it is so amazing looking back. You know, when you go through life, you're you're going through life. You're just you're experiencing what you're experiencing. But it's so fun looking back. And you know, one of the things that comes to mind as you ask me that is, I remember I went to this little Christian school that was uh, it's pretty small. You know, it's pretty. Um, yeah, nothing very glamorous about it. and <laughs> That's a delicate way to say it, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, we used to tease that it was just where, you know, parents sent their troubled children. <laughs> so it's a little rough sometimes. It's a great school, though. I'm not going to name it now that I just made it sound terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is a great school. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I remember, you know, we would have these chapel services, and um, really, you know, the worship was very bad. It was just like, it was terrible. And, and I have no idea how or why or, you know, but I got this idea that with my friends, it was like, we could do that. You know, we can start this worship team. And it's so funny because I remember distinctly going home and telling my mom and my sister standing in the kitchen and being like, we're going to start a worship team for chapel and they burst out laughing. Like, it was so... It was it's like, always great when the people around you laugh at your dreams. It's so great. Now, I have to say that they deny that at this point. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not sure what actually happened. Which, that usually happens, you know. They, 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 people laugh and criticize, and then after the dream, oh, I was always there for you. I always believed in you. Yeah, right, you did. Yes, I'm sure that I probably misinterpreted something. But what's just even funnier about this is that, so we did that. We went for it, and we did it. And I don't remember how long it was going, but we got called um, to have this meeting with our principal to talk about it and we're sitting around this big table and and I'm just I have no idea what he's gonna say but I'm kind of like you know we're doing awesome like and he walks in and he's like well you're terrible <laughs> <laughs> he just bluntly crushed our I was oh, devastated by how bad I was yeah. but I kind of internalized that to mean wow, I'm not a leader. I failed. You know, I really wow. internalized that as a failure. But at some point that that shifted and I was able to look back and be like, yeah, but what was it that made me see something and think that it could be done better so and differently? And so that was a leader. Yes, that's right. Yeah, you might not identify it at the time, but sometimes it's it's anger over the way things are that actually fuels the positive motivation for where things could be. And I, I had to learn that over time. I didn't, I didn't realize that at the beginning. I thought, you know, leaders are always positive. They're optimistic. They're thinking of what could be. But at the core, if you look at a lot of leaders and a lot of great things that have been started in our world, a lot of great things that are happening, it's someone looks at a problem and they say, you know, poverty is an issue. Like God cares for the poor. We need to go do something about this. This cannot be like this anymore, right? And, and you, you see an issue in your school. You see an issue in your neighborhood or your community. And you're like, that shouldn't be that way. If God's kingdom were to come and his will to be done, like we need to step into that need. And it's interesting, some of the things that you walk through as you're talking about that is a great example early on is but you, you kind of had that stirring to make things better, to improve things. And, and sometimes, you know, other people's feedback um, 
can be exactly what we need, and sometimes it can also be really discouraging if, we, if we're not to the point where we can process that correctly because, you know, our ideas sometimes are not always refined and, like, they're not always perfect, right? And so we're starting out of leadership and we've got a dream, and it's like we need other people to say, hey, you know what? Great. I love your in- initiative, but that was terrible. And it's like, and sometimes that, that's, that's the spark that gets us to grow. So, man, that's just so cool. Um, so, Natasha, I want, I want to kind of move on to the next season of your life. So you, were, you didn't have clarity around what all the dreams were, but God was obviously developing conviction inside of you. He was clearly developing you as a leader. You'd always been a leader, just you hadn't really identified that yet. But as, as you move into the next phase of your life, and kind of, I'll call it like the family stage of life, some, some dreams, some really cool things started to happen. There was still a lot of challenges, and, and you can talk to us about those. But, but tell us a little bit about how God started to bring some of the dreams into reality, and then how some of the dreams really turned into a nightmare. Just talk to us about what happens when a dream can kind of fall apart and, and how, how that happened in your life. Yeah, well, it, was, um, it was a big deal for me to accept a call into full-time vocational ministry. And, and I really, I couldn't really articulate, what does that even mean? You know, what is that? Sometimes when I'm talking with people about that today, I'm like, you know what? All I really knew was was yes. I just knew... I'm giving a yes to God that is going to be lifelong and will require everything. <laughs> there's no there's no segregating or um you know division in you know it's just like all of it is on the altar and it's a yes before God. And otherwise I really didn't know what it was going to look like. Um but I did um I did kind of move like kind of just accept that this is he is calling, you know he's asking, he's calling me. And, and I did that, and I went to Bible college, um, started to train for ministry there. Um, I met and married um, this amazing man, uh, Lynn Robert Erskine, and he um, was just the most brilliant, dynamic, uh, talented guy. So I really met and married the man of my dreams. And, um, and that, was, that was amazing because... Um, yeah, I, that in itself was kind of removing me from places from my childhood that I, I, I wouldn't have thought I'd be able to to rise above, you know, to overcome and to move beyond. So um, so there were just some amazing things that happened in that. And uh, so we we were in ministry together. Um, he ended up our first church after after school. Um, he was hired as a pastor of worship, and then mission was added later. And we had our first two uh, girls, our baby girls, Roy and Aaliyah, who are here with us this week, which is awesome. Love yes. great daughters. They're amazing. Love <laughs> they these guys. Are amazing. They're not baby girls anymore. <laughs> They're teenagers walking around. It's crazy how fast that happens. Huh? Yes, amazing. Yes, but I. It was really interesting um, how how challenging it was for me to to sort of walk through some of that season of ministry where I was uh, I was pastor's wife and I, I actually loved that I love that uh, but I felt the um, just the really constricting um, you know, just not having open doors to, I felt like God had put all this stuff within me, you know, and all this passion. I was ready to go. And, and I, even moving through college, there were some health challenges, you know, it felt like a, felt like I had done a lot of overcoming and was ready to go, you know, and then it was, um, there weren't a lot of opportunities and open doors for me to lead or pastor. 
but it was such a sweet season, um, and the, the church was so beautiful, so sweet where we were serving, and I, I did have some um, amazing opportunities to lead, like women's retreats and, you know, things like that. Uh, so it was it was a beautiful season, um, though I, I did find it, you know, there were some challenges involved, but as you know, it led to something um, never saw coming, and uh, we had this, we had this one summer that uh, we had this um, beautiful vacation time, and we were just getting back, and, you know, there were all these things we were working through and wrestling through and praying so much. We were really struggling financially, and that had become a really heavy, heavy burden for us, and, you know, all these different challenges just you face in life, adulting, growing up, you know, like, it's kind of stressful. It feels like a lot, having babies, like, it's all, you know, it's, there's challenges involved in it, and um, it's a beautiful mess, a beautiful <laughs> time of life, mess. for sure. Yes, a beautiful <laughs> yeah. mess. Yes, and and it, so it kind of leads up to this this day. We had just gotten back from vacation, and you know we were kind of riding a high. We just felt encouraged, and um, my husband Lynn was um, doing a lot of running, and he was preparing for this marathon, and he um, he had connected with um, some missions organizations so that he could you know raise money through the marathon for these missions projects in Rwanda. So it was you know all this stuff, and we got back and it was like you know how about you plan your your run with with Andrew, your running buddy, and uh, anyway, they did that, and and so later uh, this Sunday night, uh, he goes out for this run, and I'm uh, playing with with our two little girls. They were you know, four and two at the time, on the living room rug, and um, I, I can picture him, you know, running past that front window, but I don't know if it was actually that time or just a previous time. Um, but he went out on that run, and you know, it's about a um, 32k and uh, maybe a little bit more than that that time and just near the end um, he put his hand up on Andrew's shoulder Andrew knew something was really off for the last stretch and then um, Lenny sat back on the on the curb kind of on the side of the road and then he laid back on the grass and his heart stopped and he died so he was dead within minutes um, after being at the peak of health Natasha, I can't imagine that. I mean, that's just one of the worst possible things anybody in this room can imagine. Someone in your immediate family, especially your spouse, passing away. Um, it's just a, a tragedy in every way. And I mean, just 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 could you briefly paint a picture? Uh, I want to talk, you know, I want to ask you a question next about some of the good that came out of bad season of your life. But just paint a picture of what what it was like for you in those initial weeks after and those initial months after of grieving and just I mean it's a dark time and, and and there's people that are going through different stages of darkness right now they might not be able to relate to that specific story but there's a lot of people listening today that they're in the middle of a dream that has become a nightmare they try to start a business and it went bankrupt and they have no idea what they're gonna do financially or somebody who just lost a job or maybe they did lose a, a parent or a family member that's close to them and, and there's a lot of brokenness you know as you, you know as a pastor there's a lot of that and someone who went through a really dark stage, what were what were some of the things going through your mind and maybe some of the, the temptations or doubts or challenges in that, that stage? But but then also kind of what did you hold on to that really got you through that? And, and maybe let me just go ahead and ask you and then kind of like walk us from that to like how, how did kind of God bring some good out of even a really bad season? How, how did that kind of turn out and some good things that have kind of come since then? Yes, I, I've always appreciated um Jerry Sitzer has a, a book called uh, Grace Disguised, uh, a grief book called Grace Disguised. 
And he writes about that sort of like sudden, um, you know, you're really unprepared for it, big loss, and calls it catastrophic loss. And, and um, you know, really, what it really felt like was a bomb had gone off, everything, you know, you picture those scenes in movies where there's, there's ash, flow, you know, everything's black and dark, the sky, it's all dark, and there's just like ash floating around you, you know, that, that was, that's what it felt like, you know, that, that was the experience of it, and, and that, and it is really fascinating, you know, there's, when you're in the initial shock of it, you can't process anything, like, you don't have a clue what's happened, you know, so it was, really the longer it went, like the later, there, there's a lot of support really early on, you know, there's a lot of cushion, um, this like beautiful cushion that is God given, I think, you know, in the beginning that allows you to kind of navigate shock and trauma. Um, but, you know, as you're moving forward, you're just, you're just facing the dark. Like that's all you see, you know, I'm just walking into darkness and darkness and darkness and more darkness and so um but there's this um this severe mercy to that happening and there's so many different ways that i could talk about it but one of the ways is that one of the things that did for me was it really laid bare my own soul and uh you know pete scazzaro talks about the soul being like an iceberg and so many of us, you know, we're walking around, we're interacting with each other, and, you know, even in some, some for, for some of us, even our closest relationships, like, we really only engage at this, like, upper level of our iceberg, and there's this deep underbelly that, that never gets touched, it doesn't ever get known or seen, you know, and, and there's a lot in there. I think about a lot of what you were talking about um, and, and think about Paul saying, you know, put off the old and put on the new. And for so many, you know, so many times for so long, I would be like, why does he write that? It's like one verse, like as though it's supposed to be like snap, you know, put off the old, put on the new. Like it's just that simple. But if you think about it with the, the breadth of the human soul and what and then, and then allow yourself to be in awe of how God created who, human beings. Like, we're not, we're, we're not shallow. Like, we have incredible capacity, incredible depth, incredible. Like, we are masterfully created. And so, I felt like, um, I felt like I was exposed to my soul in a way that I don't think I ever would have otherwise. And that, that forced me to really recognize that when, when God is dreaming dreams for me, he, he means me to be whole in, in how, in how then I get to walk that out. Um, God's not going to dream a dream for me and then um, want me to stay in all of my baggage and my wounds, you know, and ha he wants me whole. He wants me human, human the way Jesus is human. And, uh, and so God, I, I had to really um, sit in for a long time and, and try to grasp, um, I guess, how much how much God's vision for me is, is a long game. You know, it's a long game that is this whole um, beautiful spiritual formation thing that's a part of it. 
And so um, I think that uh, there's, you know, so many things I'd love to share that God showed me and taught me um, on that journey. But I know uh, one of the things that just felt really important was to recognize that there are some, um, the severe mercy of that darkness is that it is actually inviting the kind of healing and the kind of formation that Paul's talking about when he says, put off the old and put on the new. And that there's this greater capacity for us to become these new creations in Christ Jesus, our Lord, than we can imagine for ourselves. Like I am a person I could not have imagined myself to be a couple decades ago or because of what you went through because of the hard definitely yeah. yes that's really good yes yeah so you, i wanted to tag on to this and i want you to keep going so you, you, what i'm hearing you say so far is that through through the dream that became a nightmare and all the hardship that you went through some of the the beauty that came out of the ashes in that is you really discovered capacity that's in you you discovered the capacity of god's greater mercy, as you call it, severe mercy, to not, not give up on you. And, and by the way, that's a word for somebody here today, somebody who's at the rock bottom. You're, you're sitting in the middle of these smoldering ruins of what's been burned down in your life. And, and Natasha, I think that's just those two words, severe mercy, that, that God is not going anywhere. He's sitting with you in the midst of that very dark night that just seems to go on and on. And how you describe that so beautifully, just the, just the ashes that are all around you in the middle of brokenness that I, I love that you never gave up on God. And I love that he never gave up on you. And, and you might be tempted to give up on God in those moments, but you can know that God has not given up on you. He's not given up on the dream that he put in your heart. And he's actually developing through the trials in our life a greater capacity to be able to walk out those dreams in the future and, and to fully realize the dreams that he has for us. And so um, continue to talk to us about this a little bit, Natasha. I mean, you, you kind of come out of this. You've learned so many lessons, and there's so much more, you know, we could talk about uh, on this. But, but as, as the beauty started to emerge from the ruins and um, God, God started to reshape your family, uh, you, you met my brother-in-law, Brent. I'd love to hear just maybe hear just a little bit about how God started to bring your family together. And then he brought a calling into your life and in, in ministry. Um, tell us a little bit about what life looks like now. And, and maybe if you can tag on to this, um, just what would have been some of the challenges as you've lived out the dream? Because some good has come out of this. You're doing some great things for God now, but there's still some trials. There's still work. Um, involved, and I think some people think that are in the middle of the ruins right now. They're thinking, if I could just get out of this, and if I can get to that season where where everything's good, I'm living the dream. People in Florida, we say this all the time: we're living the dream because we love it here. And you hear people say that all the time, and and it's, and it's true. I mean, a lot of people get to that stage and they think, well, I'm living the dream, but they they expect it to be so idyllic that there's not any more problems, and that's just not the case. Almost any high level, high capacity leader that I've talked to, like yourself, there's still a lot of work and there's still a lot of trials. And so, talk to us about what it has looked like to come out of the trials. Um, that you went through that were so severe and to come into a place where you are really living the dream, it seems like, but there's still some trials. So talk to us about what it looks like to navigate the tension of those things together. Yes. Um, well, it was really just an absolute gift and miracle that um, it, it would be so fun to share the whole story, but for the sake of time, just it really felt like God, you know, brought Brent. I mean, he really li literally did bring him oh to my door uh, on Prince Edward Island. Not that, you know, you know where that is, but, <laughs> um, and just really just incredibly blessed my family uh, with the gift of Brent. Um, so, so much we could say about that, but it was so, it was really so key in, 
in me being able to move forward. And I knew that God, like I knew, it was like in my place of, of widowhood and, and being a single mom, um, yeah, there was, I, I couldn't find a viable way forward in, in terms of pursuing my calling. Um, and it's not that Brent was that, <laughs> but at the same time, he became the partner, you know, that uh, that sort of step by step um, made space for those things to happen. And so, um, he's been such a gift um, in so many ways, and and then we have um, now our our little daughter. That so he did fully adopt my um, my older our older daughters, and so uh, they're you know fully his as well. But uh, we also had a little girl together, so we have three girls, and uh, she's wild and you know running around. Beautiful, <laughs> she's sweet, <laughs> sweetie. Um, and so we ended up, um, I immigrated to the States and, um, we ended up moving to South Carolina where, um, my husband Brent is teaching at Southern Wesleyan University and uh, he's been doing that for a while, just really investing in the next generation of pastors and student leaders. And so that's been really fun. And even beyond that too, cause you both speak a lot. Yes. I know you just finished speaking somewhere. And uh, Brent's actually away this weekend speaking, yes. and you and the, the kids are hanging out, cousin time. It's been great. But, but yeah, you guys yes. are doing a lot of that. Yeah, keep keep going. Yes. Um, yes. Well, we, um, it took, yeah, so, okay, let's see how, <laughs> how much, how much to get into. The, what's so interesting, I guess, is um, I started to come into the first season of my life where it kind of felt like, for years and years and years, I kind of felt like a racehorse at the gate, you know, and it was like ready to go. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I'm ready to go. Like yeah. I said yes a long time ago, you know, <laughs> and I'm still waiting. Put me in the game, coach. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I felt like I was, you know, I sometimes would say, you know, I feel like David where I just haven't I kept having to run back into these caves. I kept finding myself in these seasons and I was I was like, God, I don't know why. You know, I really did trust um I, I there's this could be a whole other conversation for sure, but I really did have trust in that God does promote you when he wants to promote you, you know? So I, I felt I felt this, like, restlessness in these different seasons, but I also felt a measure of peace of, like, I know that you are preparing me, and I have to trust your timeline, you know? So, but I was ne it was never comfortable. There was always this, like, restless discomfort in those seasons, and then, and then eventually, like, I kept thinking, you know, I'm at the gate, like, it's going to open, <laughs> you know. And, and then it didn't. And then when we moved to South Carolina, it really felt like I could see, like, a, you know, it was like a, there was, like, a red light that just, like, popped green all of a sudden. And I felt the Lord just be like, it's open. Like, it's time. Let's go. It's open. Yep. Go. Yeah, go. But I remember so clearly, like, it's like I'm looking at this track, and I'm like, there's no track. Like, look, I just like, where? Like, what is, you know, I, I definitely expected Ron to get to, got, like, I waited so long to get to this moment, and I'm picturing there's going to be this, like, actual lane to run in. That was going to be a highway, and you see a dirt road. You're like, wait, maybe not even a dirt road, a jungle you got to hack your way through. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I was just like, what? So, yeah, talking about, like, like, I'm absolutely living my dream in a way that I, again, I never could have even imagined getting the opportunity to lead a church. Like, I could have never imagined that for myself at all. And, uh, but yeah, the, the challenges to it are also very immense. And 
there there wasn't I kind of expected when God says okay you know it's time you know go that there would just be this like magic favor you know that follows and makes everything just so beautifully come together but instead uh, so what I'm so thankful for is um how much God taught me in those darker places they very much are the same truths that I'm living out, you know, every day of my life that are, they continue to be true as we, you know, we learn how to walk by faith and not by sight. You know, we learn how to not just like intellectually adhere to, you know, I believe in Jesus Christ, but how to live in this like abiding trust with him where the key is that I know him and he knows me and I'm with him and he's with me. And, and that's, that's the magic, you know, and that's what he wants. And that's what brings him joy more than our accomplishments, more than our achievements. His joy and delight is in the with. And so um, I think that the skills that I used to feel like I'm so inadequately prepared, Lord, for leadership and and, and I and sometimes I feel like that's very true. <laughs> you know, I am like, Lord, I could have used a little more experience in some of these areas. Um, but at the same time, I have so much gratitude for the ways that he prepared me and for certain skills that I feel like I have to actually navigate the dark night of the soul and actually navigate um, just seasons of of it's unclear and there's unknown you know there's nothing i hate more than the unknown but it's life is lived in the unknown especially in leadership and uh, so i think that um, learning to walk with god in the dark um, not just when it's sunny and lovely and you know but in the dark as a way of life but not in a way that's really depressing you know, yeah. <laughs> I know sounds... i'm glad you clarified because there's some people that are thinking i don't, I don't know if i want to always be in the dark but, but yeah you're talking about the good things that have come out of those seasons though for you yeah there's yeah. skills in that yes. in that place and i guess Growth. i i emphasize it a little bit because i think that we i think that that scripture has so much more of that Yes. I yeah. think like most of scripture is yeah. coming out of that space. Yeah. And yeah. so I think there's some there are some things there that are so needed for how God actually moves in his in his kingdom way, bringing his kingdom come to this earth. That's right. Yeah. Well, Natasha, you have been such an example for so many people in the room today because you have you have the experience of someone who's gone through the, the literally high highs and low lows and yet you've come out on the other side of all the brokenness of shattered dreams and all the adversity that you've faced in your life and, and yet you're still pursuing Jesus with all your heart you're still striving to build his kingdom you're still dreaming big dreams for God as Austin spend family time here at the end of the summer with all the cousins and aunts and uncles everybody's around and and just you and I oftentimes pull off to the side and, and talk ministry stuff. I love that. And, and Brent and Jen and, and, and her parents, all, the whole family. And just, I just love dreaming together and hearing your dreams. I, I fully believe you and Brent are going to change the world. It's going to be awesome to see. Um, how, how can people, if they want to hear more of your story, they want to stay connected, um, I believe you have a personal website that kind of links through to your church and writing and social media and all that. Well, can you share with us your personal website? Maybe we can get this on the screen here too, um, but so people can stay connected to you. And any, any closing comments? Oh, thank you. Yes, I I have a personal website, NatashaDonjell.com. Uh, our church is followchurch.com. We're still a bit of a baby church plant. And um, I guess Instagram would be the other place. And Natasha Dunjell at Instagram. 
and then it would be followchurch.us on Instagram for our church. That's awesome. Final, final challenge, if you had to put in a sentence for the dreamers in the room. There's, there's a lot of people here dreaming dreams. They're hearing your story. They're being inspired. I, I hope there's a lot of young women in the church like, man, I didn't even know like women could be pastors and leaders in the church. Like, that's such a, an amazing thing that I hope that some, some young women here got today. But there's, there's people that are hearing this message. Um, what would your statement to them be like to say, hey, like if, if you're dreaming big for God, like here, here's my, one of my, my messages for you. Yeah. I guess I would call to mind um, just that picture of the iceberg and just say that, that the capacity that each one of you has to be filled with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God, the kingdom impact, the potential kingdom impact that is there in every single one of you, um, that is enough. Like that changes the world. That is the thing that changes the world is, is God in you is the hope of glory. And, and more than any other thing that you do in your life, allowing God to move in and take up that space is the most important thing that you could do. Well said. That is so inspiring, and uh, we're just so thankful that you joined us today, Natasha. So much wisdom was poured in, so much life experience, and, and, and look, we've been talking today about dreaming. We're heading into the fall. Next, next week is going to be August. The school year starting. New season of life, new season of ministry. Can't wait to see what God does through a room full of dreamers. And uh, I asked Natasha if she'd be willing to, to close us in prayer today because I wanted to pray over those of you who are dreaming. You have big dreams for God and your families. You're trying to establish Christian homes in a secular culture. You're trying to dream big on things you want to start for God. And some of you are already leading great things for God in our church. with so many business leaders and so many amazing people that are doing incredible things for the Lord. And, and I just, I want, I want you to pray for the dreamers that our church experience. But also collectively, we have some great dreams. Uh, our church is planting churches every year, multiple churches, new locations uh, with our church. We are attempting to help people in need. Last year, 17 Serve Our Cities projects. We want to do even more this year, helping people in need around our communities. Um, not only that, we're trying to build a building here and expand our parking at the central campus, which is a monstrous multi-million dollar project. So we're saving up for that and praying into that. So many dreams that we want to do internationally uh, around our country. Uh, and so could you just pray over our ministry, pray over our church? I know you're a woman of, of, of prayer, and the Bible tells us that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so if you just pray for the dreamers and pray for us, we'd be so honored today. My pleasure. God, we, we bring ourselves before you with humility, knowing that you are the God who sees. You are the God who knows. You are the God who fashioned every one of these human beings and you knit them together in their mother's womb and you know all the days of our lives, they are written in your book. And God, you have absolutely anointed your people to do, Jesus said, greater things, greater things than I have done. So, Father, we just, we just acknowledge the God-sized dreams, the seeds of kingdom impact that are residing in the souls of each one of these, these lives, these souls, these human beings. And, God, we know that 
that God dreams are not things that we can do and accomplish in and of our own strength and in and of our own selves, but we invite you to fill to fill us, to take over the capacity of who we are. God, that you would be, we would be crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ would live in and through us. And this life that we live in the body, we live it by faith in the Son of God who loves us and gave himself for us. God, I pray in this moment that you would give such a fresh filling to those people who know that you've called them by name, that you've planted seeds inside of them. And you're saying to them, stir up the gift that I have put within you. Stir it up. Stir up the gift that I've put within you. And Father God, we will look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith to lead us to walk. We don't always, but we walk one baby step at a time. So lead us forward one step at a time because we are your church. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So lead us, lead church experience forward. Lead each of these lives laid bare before you right now. Lead each one forward bringing your kingdom come and your will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven, here in Florida as it is in heaven and beyond. We love you and all to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Natasha. Thank you, guys. Right on.